We do have a ton to get through in this episode. Common sense is finally prevailing. There was controversy this month, Dave. I'm not particularly excited by that. Secrets and things on set. I haven't told them anything. I think this is just good times all round. Every Doctor Who is liked by somebody and that's a really good thing. Davo, my Doctor. I know we disagree on this one. First world problems, Dave. I get why fans are asking those questions. Oh gosh, that's actually quite a lot to talk about. It doesn't compute. It's the elephant in the room. That's okay. Fandom versus the BBC. The cardinal sin. Moving along. Lunch. Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who show for January of 2024. I'm Dave. I'm Mark. I'm Richard. And as you probably heard there, we have a couple of guests with us. This is Rob's annual summer holiday, but we have with us here Mark from 42 to Doomsday and Richard from Spacefall and the Goodies Pirate Podcast and even 42 to Doomsday. Indeed. (laughs) How are you? Good, how are you guys? Good, good. Thanks yeah, for great to be here. Yes. Thanks for coming along. We have a lot to cover. Yes. Now, our main topic for today, at the end of our last monthly session, we all nominated a story to watch and to mm-hmm. discuss. Yes. And at the end, you, the listeners, voted for the Ribos Operation 13%, mm. the Androids of Tara 16%, mm. the Robots of Death 33%, mm. but the Keys of Marinus... 38%. So we are off wow. to find the keys of Marinus. We're off to Marinus. So I'll be looking forward to having that conversation with you. A f- couple of plugs and a bit of news first as normal. We need to remind everybody that, of course, in just a couple of weeks' time, the Sirens of Audio are doing their Wendy Padbury event. So they are in Sydney on the 10th of February and in Melbourne on the 18th of February. Now, Richard, we went to their last event. We did with Cody Manning, and that was great. I didn't go, but I heard some great feedback, and uh, for the feedback I heard was like it was a well-run, low-key, good old traditional fan event. Absolutely, and we're very, very supportive of that. So look, we are going. We had a great time last time. If you're in Sydney or Melbourne, do go to the Signs of Audio website and check that out, because look, I've seen Wendy Pabry before, and she is a great guest. She is. And as Mark alluded to, look, we had a lot of fun at Katie Manning. I would actually say, for a fan-run event like that, Katie Manning is probably... Probably the perfect guest, mm. actually, for something like that, because she's quite happy to run around the crowd. Do you remember, Dave, there was a chap right up the back of the room who had his hand up for a while, and she came and sat next to him for about 15 minutes and basically oh, just bless. worked the... <laughs> Yep. Everybody who got an autograph or a photo got time with Katie Manning. Yeah. So oh, that's good. It was um, good. And no, good. it was really good. It was a nice change, actually, from some of the more sterile events I've been to <laughs> over the years. Yes. The, uh, yeah, move along, move along. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, fantastic. Now, unusually for the summer, we actually have a reasonable amount of news. So, Mark, I believe you've got our first story. Yes. Uh, great news for fans of Tom Baker. Not so great news for the season, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh, season 15 has been announced, the uh, DVD box set. So it's coming out, I believe, in April. Horror Fang Rock on Blu-ray on there. Exactly. So if it's not on blue, it's uh, not poo. With but, new CGI routines. Ah. Uh, yes, that looked a bit strange, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Look, the trailer was fantastic. Uh, it was put together for it. It was great to see Louise Jameson back in the role yep. of Leela, and it was very impressive. That obviously limited amount of money they I do have, but it was really, really good. It was a great trailer. I really enjoy those trailers. Actually, they really invoke a, mm. uh, the mood and really look forward to it. From what I understand, though, on YouTube, you know, people check the stats. Is that that uh, trailer for the season fifteen box set actually got more views? 
than the uh, new uh, Judy Gatwa season trailer. Oh. So, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> some lines have been drawn there. But, um, look, uh, let's be honest, I don't think season 15's on anybody's uh, favourite list. Yeah, oh. You know, but but I just love it when it's announced. They're going, why are they releasing now? I don't know whether you guys might know this, but they all are going to come out at some point. So, you you know, they're going to mix it all up. And, uh, look, season 15's coming out. And for myself, you know, from that season, it is very uneven. But... Uh, image of the Fandal for me is a highlight and of course horror of the Fang Rock uh, it's, uh, Sunmakers Sunmakers yes. so I'm not a big fan of Sunmakers I actually find it quite boring yeah. the, the direction's really flat on it but the first half of Invasion of Time yes that's quite yeah. good yes and and should we talk about the story that we're not really sure the Voldemort of Doctor Who stories the, uh, the underworld <laughs> That'll be there too. Maybe yeah. that'll be your chance to watch it in black and white, Mark, and to see if those stories are true. <laughs> well, they are doing a special though. edition of it, apparently. It's going to run for 25 minutes condensed. <laughs> Look, if nothing else, hopefully we'll get Janet Fielding and Peter Davison watching Underworld and giving their comments. And yes. that's, that's going to be worthwhile. Yeah. But look, I look forward to these box sets when they come out because it gives you uh, time to sit down, enjoy them, and reevaluate them. So, look, I'm hoping to reevaluate some of those stories uh, in that uneven season. But look, Horrifying Rock will, no, will oh, need no does evaluation. That, does that need re-evaluation? No, 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 no. It just needs to be worshipped. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes. Yes. And for our regular listeners who are missing Rob's voice, I will point out he has done some YouTube videos on the Season 15 box set, particularly its release in Australia, as well as wondering what's happening to Season 20 out here, which I believe has been delayed yet again. Mm. Also check out, please, Rob's OnlyFans page for his other special content. <laughs> I might just send that to him privately. <laughs> Golden tonsils. <laughs> uh, Richard, you've got our next item. Now, I have a news article here that says, despite fans adamant that it's somehow a bluff, Capaldi doubles down on never returning to play the Doctor. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) So, is there actually any substance to this, do you think? Or is this just, you know, they're a bit desperate for a... Well, it is the Radio Times, and I was desperate for clickbait. But look, he has said a number of times... I I, I am aware of that, but... I am aware of that, but I am also quite sure that Big Finish have their uh, 12th Doctor box sets already planned. Can can you imagine somebody, Peter Capaldi standing, turning up to the Big Finish studios and doing something like Return of the Quarks, written and voiced by Nick Briggs? Can you imagine a man of that stature doing that? No, I cannot. He won an Oscar. He won an Oscar. I mean, Did you you know his first movie was Local Hero? It was. (laughs) That's a great soundtrack too. Look... If, uh, if Christopher Eccleston can do it, I am quite sure that Peter Capaldi... I think... <laughs> there, there will be a point at which Peter Capaldi... Look, there might be, be, but I, I actually like the fact that he doesn't want to come back and... Uh, shows integrity, does it? Shows it shows a bit of you know, integrity, but look, let's be honest with you, right? He was magnificent. Mm. He left on a high. Like, he left on a high apart from the Twice Upon a Time thing, but there's two st- stories preceding yep. it. Those two stories preceding are the best Doctor Who I've seen in years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, great. And basically, he just drops the mic and walks out. So why would you want to come back? He's doing other things, like he's in a new uh, a new drama. It's just on TV now. Well, David Tennant says, hold my beer. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see he's a man who wants to come back in a hurry. He's got many prongs and many fires. And I just don't see... I think us fans would like to come, like him to come back, and I think there's always that part of us, I'd like him to come back, but I, I think he's the sort of person who probably won't come back. Always looking ahead. Always looking ahead, yeah. Dave, what do you think? I think that, although the article is trying to beat this up as, you know, making out 
compelled to be a bit of a bastard. Mm. But I, I do think that he's saying this for genuine reasons. Mm. And he generally has his own career and also the integrity of the show to look at. Mm. And and look, I, I think that it's you know, not a never say never. Mm. You know, when we get to the 70th anniversary, if there's the right show and the right script, you know, maybe he will. Mm. Speaking of people who are not coming back to Doctor Who... Hashtag awkward. We need to discuss the rumours that have been circulating the internet over the last five or six days mm. that Millie Gibson is not returning to the show either for all of or part of the second season of Shooty Gatwa's run. Mm. Now, a couple of points that I'll just sort of throw out here. One article has said very clearly that she has been dropped and that she's been replaced as the companion by Varada Sithu, who was, of course, in Andor and very, mm. very good in Andor. Yep. And there have now been photos from the filming that certainly is that actress with Shudi Gatwa and okay. looks like they're playing, she's playing a companion-type role. Mm. Now, there are lots of rumours about whether this is the planned departure after a season or so, and we all know RTD likes to move his companions on yep. after a couple of seasons in a way that Moffat you know, was more likely to hang on. Yep. There are also rumours that this was not necessarily maybe a... Um, planned departure? A planned departure or a mutually satisfactory departure. Right. We don't know. And one of the reasons we don't know is there has, as of our time of recording, been no statement mm. from the BBC or RTD. There's been nothing yep. denying it. Yep. There's been nothing saying, Millie is very excited to pursue other opportunities. There's been none of that. Mm. But uh, we have now got photos of... Verada filming the show. So yeah. something is going on mm. and it's kind of bizarre that we don't know. So from the Daily Mirror article, she's appearing in three episodes, allegedly, of season two. That's what they were saying. Yeah, that, and that's from an insider. That's, from, that's right? from a you know an insider. But you're absolutely right about the lack of press release or anything like that. From a, I mean, f- from a reputational point of view for Millie Gibson, despite whatever's happened, whether she was pushed or jumped or she jumped or whatever... The silence isn't great. And, you know, uh, in terms of, like, RTD's always been big on having a duty of care to his actors and everything like that. Mm. So I'm a bit surprised. But then again, I'm not surprised because Eccleston left under mysterious departure as well. And the BBC put a press release out on his behalf. Well, having said that, Eccleston, I think, has recently been quite clear about what it... uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and, and to, to... to Russell's credit, he hasn't dissed Eccleston or any of the people no. he's fallen out with during his time on the on the show as well. But it's very similar to what happened to Freema Adjiman, you know, mm. in terms of when she left. Was it was it pushed or was it was well, it? Well, she certainly left before her contract expired. Well, so that's, that's exactly she right. Had those guest shots in season four. Exactly right, and I think that was a bit of a sop to sort of keep her happy and peer in Torchwood and everything like that. So, look, Freema's was not a well handled exit either. So. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal. But look, if I'm if any convention organisers out there get a panel together with Millie Gibson and Christopher Eccleston on the stage, <laughs> and I'll be there wherever it is, and I'll be there with a the popcorn on the first row. Just wait for the and magic just wait, to happen. And just wait to be more sacks in the Santa's grotto. <laughs> the only thing that would make that panel better would, would be about halfway through. So Christopher, John Berman's here with us now. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So it's all very strange, isn't it, really? It, it, it yeah. is. I, I wonder if part of it is just the unintended consequences of filming Series 2 before you've even... Hard on the back of Series 1. Before yeah. you've even shown Series 1. I think that could be mm. part of it. But look, Rob and I discussed this back in July on the Doctor Who show when there were all those rumours going around that Shooty might only do two seasons. Mm. And look, I said at the time that 
it could just be you know a very good bargaining position like no 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 only two seasons and then they roll the dump truck of money up to shoot his backyard and he says oh okay i'll do three mm. who knows what's going on as i said it's the silence from the production house yeah. at this time that's most bizarre so for those of you who are fans of the Fat Man Beyond podcast, I've always wanted to say this. Big it up for Mark, he did the news. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a reference for maybe the 10 people who overlap between our podcast and Kevin Smith's. We now move on to what we're calling our group short topic, because mm. we all just lived through something that as Doctor Who fans we live through from time to time, and that's an anniversary year. Yes. So what we wanted to do just for a bit before we get into our main topic is... Just look back at our experience of anniversaries past and just see how we thought the 60th held up. So, look, we could go back to the fifth anniversary special, which was, was of course, the invasion. (laughs) And, look, that's not a bad little story. It's actually pretty good. It is pretty good, but I don't think any of us were even alive then, so... (laughs) No. Two of us, and I won't say which two, it was you, were... (laughs) Were on, were at least on the planet for the tenth anniversary. I believe. Oh, I yes. remember it like it was nineteen seventy three. Yeah, all over again. <laughs> and, and look, I just want to make a couple of brief points there because we have joked in the past about the three doctors being the nine years and three months special. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that I think was sort of that example of Barry Letts as the early showman going, I want to structure my season mm. on a big publicity enticing mm. opening. Yep. Oh, hey. This is the tenth season. Let's see if Patrick Troughton's free. Oh, and while we're doing that, let's see if Hartnell's free. Yeah. And suddenly we're going to get you know every newspaper cover, the Radio Times cover. We're going to get specials, mm. and that's a good way to launch a new season of Doctor Who. Mm. I always thought though they've missed a trick with that because in terms of the placement of that story, mm. you could change that. Like you could start the season off with say Carnival of Monsters or something like that. You know, I know Barry Letts is always like going big for the first thing. I personally would have now would have held back the three Doctors to the end. So, right. yes, have Green Death. Because, really, Joe Grant doesn't really add much to the three Doctors. You could actually supplant Benton in that role, and it would be perfectly fine. Wow. Or wait, but for, in, wait for Richard Franklin to become available. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. But, you know, in terms of... So, basically, in terms of the story placement, to build up, yep. I would have actually had that at the end of the season, as opposed to at the beginning of the season. Because, so, as you so said, would, it's more... would you have held it and shown it closer to the anniversary? Yeah, I would have... Put it on the end of it, and then the BBC should have done a repeat on the twenty third. Because technically, the anniversary story is probably the time warrior because that uh, that that debuts yeah. about three weeks later. So yeah, but I would yeah I would have held back that to the last story of that season. That would have been me uh, if I was in charge back then. But obviously, I wasn't. I mean, the the tenth anniversary is very UK centric. Yes, I think we only had the Radio Times special, a Radio Times cover, and a, and a Radio Times special. I think that was about and it. And that was about it, you know. So yeah. it was very, very, very low key. Obviously, mm. as they mentioned, had a bit of media build up around it, but um, yeah, and a couple of you know Trout was on some daytime talk shows and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, there was no big celebration. Blue, as well. Blue Peter appearance, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, f- the first example of anniversaries happening, of course, the big one was the twentieth. Yeah. Now, I watched The Five Doctors on Blu-ray last night. Yeah. I, I watched the transmitted version for the first time in at least a quarter of a century. <laughs> with the, the R, the, the, the correct music on the harp of Rassilon. Yes, oh. yes, that's right. <laughs> and I've got to admit, look, I had a great time watching that. Yeah. I think I genuinely do know that story off by heart. Yes. I knew every line as it was coming. Yeah. I mean, it, it was nice to look at some of those locations and go, I was there a few months ago. Yeah. Ah, the, yes. So that was, that was very cool. Yeah. I, was, I was at the Eye of Orion. Yeah. Or your home country, Mark. Thank you, North Wales, yes. But that was definitely a 
proper event, and it was yes. certainly an event outside of the UK as well. Yeah, it's interesting that because I was looking at the transmission dates actually for the five doctors, where you would think something like that there was tentative. Oh, we could do some sort of simulcast, very tentative within mm. you know a day or two of each other potentially. But like the Americans got it on the twenty third. Yeah, they held it over to the twenty fifth of November right. in the UK for children in need. I actually thought it was, uh, let's say, the 7th or the 8th of December 83. It was actually the 13th mm. of December 83. But it was an event. I remember it was there event, was advertising yeah. and everything for yes. it. I remember sort of sitting there hovering over the record button on the night yep. of debut, and I missed the probably yep. the first split second of, of William Hartnell's appearance at the start because yep. <gasps> um, the heads hadn't kicked onto the tape yet. Yep. But yep. There was a trailer over the ABC screen, a trailer, but of course yeah. you started, we were getting Doctor Who magazine or Doctor Who Monthly was back then, and you start reading all the convention reports because right. obviously the, the fans, sorry, the, the UK actors started going to be pulled by the American uh, money in the convention. So plus, plus there was Longlead. There was Longlead as well, and then he started getting books like you know the Celebration came out, which That's is probably right. the first sort of celebratory tome in a heart, in a, like it's a coffee table book where. That's right. Anybody could buy it, really. Yeah. Any the, the general public could could buy it and understand yeah. the program at Radio Times as well. And, and you, Technical you, manual. Yes, I was going to say you'd remember the ABC ads for the uh, for the reprint of the Radio Times special and, yes. the, and the tech manual. Yes, that's right. And I think in terms of the media attention in Oz, it was quite heavily promoted. It was articles in TV Week, I remember, mm. and the Age, and occasional news articles. That's so, right, because I do yeah. remember TV Week had that um, mm. photo shoot with the waxwork Tom. I can't remember if they sort of gave the sly wink that it wasn't really Tom or not now. I can't yeah. remember. It was but... called the Big Finish Tom. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the, those, those I suppose, those seeds of a uh, anniversary... A- was, event. An event yes. were starting to be, sh- be shown, yeah. Yep. And perhaps also a bit of an indication that Doctor Who had become more than a TV show, yes. a, you know, a, a cult, yep. which uh, had positives and negatives it did. for the direction yep. of the show. Yeah. We move on to the 25th anniversary. Now, gents, I put a poll up on, uh, on X <laughs> you did? last week. <laughs> and I, I'll read you exactly what I put up. Yep. I said, I know what the official answer is, but in your mind, which story was the 25th anniversary story? Now, we got 232 votes on that. Right. 3% voted for the Happiness Patrol. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. 4% voted for The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. 28% voted for the official 25th anniversary story, Silver Nemesis. Madness. <laughs> and a whopping 64% voted for Remembrance of the Daleks. A bunch of sane people, yes. Yes, Why? Yes. Why is that? Well, I suppose if you want to link it into the anniversary, look, they go back to Coal Hill. Yes. Um, for, for me personally, it probably... I know Silver Nemesis is the, the big anniversary story and whatever. I, I'd actually credit Remembrance probably with actually the show retaining me as a fan, I would think, in the late yeah. 80s. Because because I watched, I remember watching season 24 and being really disappointed by it. Mm. And I, I suspect, had the ABC not taken the uh, great decision to show Remembrance after Dragonfire, mm. I have a sneaking suspicion I may well have drifted away from Doctor Who at that point because... That's interesting. So, yeah. if what I said about season ten and they switched the stories around, yep. if they had switched the stories around and started a season, say with what, Silver Nemesis, God forbid, Silver Nemesis or something like that, would that have? Because what you just said then is exactly yep. what I remember myself feeling. I remember my dad saying when I watched the transmission of it, yep. he goes, "Oh, thank God, Doctor Who's back." So I think would that have affected people's? I suppose, would they have not come back if they got something like Silver Nemesis being served up as a season opener for, open for season 25? I think if you were someone who was 
disappointed by season 24. Look, let me say, we can all look back at season 24 and see some of uh, Sure. With, oh, there's, with, but, with, with the benefit of hindsight and more knowledge about the there, series, definitely. of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but at, at yeah. the time, it, it was, I think, a disappointment to a lot of long-term mm. fans. Yeah. And, and I think, had you come back to the next season with something that's of a similar quality, yeah. there probably would have been a sense of, you know what, it's not getting better. Yeah. But coming back with Remembrance was just a clear step up in quality. That's right. Yeah. And like you said, Richard, it actually does reference an unearthly child. Yes. We go back to Cole Hill School, which yeah. I also visited when I was in Ah, here we go. Name dropper. <laughs> There's a copy of that French Revolution book sitting on yes. the bench. Yeah. The, the Daleks are there. They have the reference to the Hartnell Doctor. Yep. They have the reference to the Doctor who about to be broadcast on yeah. in the afternoon. Like it, it actually feels like it was written to be the 20th, mm. yes. 25th anniversary. Correct. And it's really, I think, only because of a quirk of transmission dates that mm. Nemesis ended up being shown over November. Yeah. And so J&T's dropped it in. Mm. There, there's mm. no real sense of that being the anniversary story at all, other than, you know, the, the, the spin line of, well, it's the silver anniversary and the Simon is silver. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty lame, isn't it, really? Where, mm. yeah, the, the remembrance ties in so much to that. It invokes a memory, you know, it invokes a That's feel right. of the 60s as well. Like, yes. yeah, it is the perfect anniversary story for that year. yeah. And although merchandise wasn't nearly as big in the 25th as the 20th, I do remember getting 25 glorious. Yes. Ah, yes. Yes. Yep. yes. It's the Christmas that yes. year. There was so. actually a 21st one too. There was the key to time. That was his oh, 21st yeah. anniversary That's book. Right. Yeah. So there yeah. was merchandise out there, but I think if you look at those two anniversaries, you can definitely see a yeah. lack of momentum by the 25th. Oh, compared to the it was on the sure. decline, you know, in terms of the public perception as well. Actually, so there was an album, the 25th. There was, the yes. Kef McCulloch um, 25th anniversary <laughs> album. Uh, Kef the Hammer, it's called, yeah, Hammer Time, it was called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hammer to Fall, the, the, the greatest hits of Kef McCulloch. And it was a stamp set as well, but I mean, only true nerds bought the stamp set, but yeah, it was in very low key. Bizarrely, though, my memory, and we'll, we'll see if this is just sort of, you know, where yep. I was in fandom versus the reality, but my memory is that the 30th anniversary in 1993 was actually pretty big. It, it was, considering yes. the show wasn't even yes. in production at that yes. point. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Now, I wonder if that's because those who were still in fandom were very invested, and so, you know, it was all for us, and we did take note of it, but I can remember the new adventures all did a whole bunch of different stuff and they were bringing back the old monsters. The yep. VHS releases were very much key to the anniversary yep. and by November we got the trial box and the Dalek box. That's yep. right. And they were big deals at the time. It was. I mean, look, the 30th anniversary even had a dedicated logo. It had it a dedicated did. logo. Yes, exactly. Richard, you were selling a lot of merchandise at the club I at the was, time. yes. And, and, and there, was, there was proper 30th anniversary There was proper 30th anniversary merchandise. There's the cornerstone cards. There was the coffee mugs. There were, mm. you know, all sorts of stuff. There were badges. There was that jacket. If you remember oh, that. Oh, yes, that's yes. right. Yes, yes. yes. Have you got that? No, no, I don't think they came quite big enough for me. But okay. um, <laughs> I think Fraser Hines had one, though. Yes, he did. He did, yes. yeah. The uh, TARDIS VHS cabinet. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. 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 Um, there was, of course, also the obligatory time books. There was Time Frame. Yes, that's a good one. Um, and, and there was um, there was Adrian Riggleford's book. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, but we might just written, slide. Written in prison. We, we might yeah. just slide past that. Um, <laughs> yes. But, yes. yeah, exactly. And in, in the UK, I mean, uh, I mean, here we had An Earthly Child was screened, was re-screened. That's, That's right, because right. I remember, yes, yes. That the, um, yes, they were doing that poll. Remember the ABC, yes. what story would you like to see? Because um, the, the club in Sydney were trying to get all those orphan loose episodes screened. 
That's um, right, yes. For, I, from each doctor, but they went with an unearthly child in the end. Yes, no, I remember going home from high school and an yeah. unearthly child was being shown That's on right. ABC. That was, yeah, yes, that was, that was very, very cool. And even in the UK, they had Planet of Daleks on, and beforehand they had those little five-minute vision, oh, you know, vision yes. nets, you know. They were great, those They were really things. good. They bump really out, good, and, and they put things. on Planet of Daleks Part 3 was in black and white on BBC One, ah, which was... Unheard of. Madness, to be perfectly honest with you, and then obviously you had the the greatest show that never was, a Dark Dimension. But no, 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 no. You, you've left out dimensions in time, Mark. So, so both of I want to bring up both of those. <laughs> Paradise of Death. <laughs> well, actually, yes. Paradise of Death. Again, yeah, that was. Yeah. I mean, we had Pertwee and Slade and Courtney doing the yes. stuff. Yes, yeah. and of course, we've all missed the big one. Thirty years in the TARDIS, yes, or, yes. Or, or probably more pertinently, more than thirty years in the TARDIS, which of course had that clip at the end of Alan Yentob. Ah, yes. yes you might very it, well think that I couldn't possibly comment. Yes, yes. which of course yes. kicked off a whole new yeah. snowball. So I want to talk about a couple of things that you, that you just mentioned. I can certainly remember a copy of More Than Thirty Years being screened at the local club. Yep. Yes. And 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 that being a really big deal because I think. Previously, we'd had Resistance is Useless oh, and yeah. Who's Doctor Who. They, <laughs> yeah. they were not great docos, but to actually see those scenes reenacted, to see all yeah. those actors we'd like yeah. them, most of these actors we hadn't seen interviews with before. Mm, yeah. So it was a really big deal. It was so, so lovingly done. But you mentioned both the Dark Dimension and Dimensions in Time. Now, here in Australia, we were probably a little bit further from the news than the UK. <laughs> yeah. And my memory was sort of that these two things got conflated mm. in, in the reporting because they both yeah. got Dimensions in the in the title. Yeah. They were both talked about as being multi-doctor stories. Yeah. And I can remember when the club said, oh, we've got a copy of Dimensions in Time, we're screening it. A oh. lot of people weren't quite sure <laughs> which one it was. Oh, God. <laughs> Plus, you've got to remember, in Australia, we have no real understanding of what Red Nose Day and the whole yeah. like, no, you know, that's right. comic appeal thing yeah. is. And so we had no... We also didn't know who Noel Edmonds was. No. So, so suddenly, you know, John Pertwee rocking up on Noel's house party was just a, what, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who is this guy and why does Pertwee hate him? Um, <laughs> and then we watched Dimensions in Time. And look, I can now take it as a funny thing for what it was. Yeah. But when you're thinking this is the big independent That's 30th anniversary yeah. story, it was quite a letdown. It yeah. was. Yeah, it was indeed. And in fact, I do remember some of the articles at the time were saying that a few people had uh, rang up the BBC and said, this wasn't the special we were supposed to be getting, was it? <laughs> and these are the, the, the general public, the great unwashed ringing in. But with the 30th as well, Dave, I do remember a lot of the media around that was... Yes, celebrating the show's 30th anniversary, but there's also a lot of conjecture and also what when's it coming back? That's right. And I think that's when people actually started asking actively mm. when's it coming back and, and, and things like that. So maybe there was a bit of momentum in terms of, well, it's had a bit enough of a break. When would you like to... When's it going yep. to come back on the screen? Yeah, and I suspect somebody from the BBC licensing department was saying, we are you know earning thousands and thousands of pounds <laughs> without the show on TV. Just imagine what we could do if there was actually a show. Yes. So that was coming through. And even DWM was getting big into it. They commissioned special anniversary stories for the yes. comics. You know, it, it, it was a fantastic time mm. to mm. be a fan. We just had no show. That's no. right. Contrast again the 40th anniversary. Uh, well, hold on. You missed the 35th. Oh, I don't recall that, but go on, Mark. Nobody else does either, but there was a nice Warriors VHS box set that came out to celebrate the 35th well, anniversary. Was that specifically for the 35th yes. anniversary? Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. I do remember the Ice Warriors box set, but I hadn't yeah. made the link to... No, uh, me either. Okay, over to the 40th, Dave. In contrast again, that brings us to the 40th, hmm. which was... Hmm. My memory is it's the anniversary that didn't happen. When I was thinking about this the other night, just in terms of where I was at with fandom, this was... And, and Dave, you'd have been in the same boat. 
this was probably only a year or two after we really stepped away from organised fandom. Yes. I don't think it's being melodramatic to say, look, probably interest in the in the clubs and interest in the show and everything was probably at its absolute lowest point. Yeah. Well, we're seven years now after the telly movie has That's basically right. not succeeded in getting yeah. the show to come back, and we're not quite at the really the serious of the RTD year. has got the rights to who yeah. stuff. Well, yeah. that was actually the other point I had, which would be, I think this anniversary probably, had there not been the announcement that the show's coming back into production, mm. I actually think this anniversary would have gone by with just a whimper, to be honest. And some big finish. Yes. Well, actually, I was just going to say, the 40th was celebrated in style with mm. Big Finish's Zagreus. Which, look, um, I've, I've never listened to it, but people who are Big Finish fans, yeah. they hold Zagreus up as mm. one of the, the greats of the range. Yeah, mm. oh, look, there was Doctor Who, the legend. That was the, the That was the tone. book. Yeah. I mean, and the VHSs were still coming out. Unfortunately, the, the, the release schedule was like all the dregs were coming out towards the end Yeah, it wasn't that now. by that point. Yeah, yes, it was it like was. the mutants. Yeah. In, and it included Invasion of the Dinosaurs and that sort of last dregs, which is That's right. sacrilege. Um, <laughs> you know, but yes, the, 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 the titles they were releasing weren't the best. Look, there was a bit of other merchandise. I know Strictly Inc. did a card set, but of course the thing is, with the stuff going on in the background about the series coming back, this is also the the period where the BBC were negotiating all the merchandise licences. So ah. I, I suspect there was probably a bit of merchandise we never saw because the companies who'd been producing prior to 2003, a lot of them had their licences revoked because, of course, they want to get new licensees and everything on. Because there'd been some... I do remember there'd been some speculation early uh, in 2003 that BBC were doing something because suddenly there were several companies who were producing merchandise who suddenly had to come out and say, well, look, we've lost our licence, so this is the end of our miniatures range, this is the end of our model range, this Mm. is the end of our whatever. And I do recall there being some speculation at the time that maybe the BBC were actually doing something in the background. Okay. Because why on earth would you cancel all these licences otherwise? I do remember that, yes. Yeah, so I think the 40th was like, uh, yeah, it was like... It wasn't the 30th. It wasn't the 30th, no. but there was something on the horizon, potentially. We could feel it in our waters, I think. That that something was well and truly with us by the 50th. Yes. yes. Which we were all there for, we were yes. all involved with. And look, we probably haven't got time to go through everything that happened in the 50th, but... I can remember, obviously, the return of Weber Fear and Enemy of the World was a very big deal. Mm. The Richard Marsden book on James Hill, that was something that we were all very, very excited by and really really sort of very weird. Do you think, actually, just breaking in there, Dave, because you and I, again, had had made our triumphant return to organised (laughs) fandom. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, Abe Billy and the Better by a couple of other people as well. Oh, yes, yes, Mark. And and a little podcast called 40 to the (laughs) News was was founded that year. Yes, Yes. it was. Do you think the, the, the 50th would have been that big? probably for you if you hadn't been around the club? No. Yeah, likewise. I was much mm. the same. I mean, I suppose probably because also because I was putting the magazine together. So, of course, I was actually sitting there trawling through news feeds yeah. and doing stuff. I mean, look, I, I do remember there was a big effort for it. You know, there were all those documentaries and there was a yeah. lot of the books and there was the thing. And, I mean, not only did you get an anniversary, a big anniversary special, and that anniversary special was shown in cinemas. And simulcast in multiple countries yep. prime time. You yep. also had a set-up episode for it yes. during the season proper. Yep. Plus, of course, there was the um, the miraculous uh, McGann mini-sode. Oh, yes. Yes, no, yes. 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 which And I, I remember when that dropped, because I'm sitting up, and what I was probably working on Sonic, and there was just this you need to click on this now uh, email going around. <laughs> I watched it on a when, train in the UK, yeah, because I was there. It said, well, began. Said, what, yeah, well, of course, yeah. so you went to the big 50th thing, yeah. at the, the big 50th yeah. celebration, didn't yeah, you? So, I did, yeah, 
there was definitely a buzz there. You know, that was actually pretty amazing. You know, were, were um, you one of the fortunate ones who got to meet Tom, or um, did you I get did the other very, ticket? I did very well. I did see the Tom convention that that, that appearance. I did right. see that, and I actually quickly met him in the autograph queue. Nice. Yeah, and I, of course I met Phil Modis and um, Annika Wills. But yeah, it was a pretty amazing event. Like just the buzz was there, and you know you had that Peter Davison spin off as well. That that uh, oh, the five the, the doctors. doctors. That that was fun. I you didn't know, remember that. that was that was fun. And, and it was that. little things like that that really yeah. added to that that Adventure fun in space and time. Yes, see, right. I've just read all this stuff down about it. You know, you had the, as a Doctor Who celebration, you know, and of course, don't forget the after party that happened. Uh, yeah, it was a massive, a massive event. The, the crossover with One Direction Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And <laughs> Jackie Lane going, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a massive event and never likely to be seen again in our lifetimes. And, and look, I've got very fond memories of all those things coming out. But, but also, as we've discussed before, both on 40 to Doomsday and the Doctor Who show, I think all of us kind of fell out of love with the show in Series mm. 6. And particularly around sort of Let's Kill Hitler and that part of it. We were oh, just like, yeah. we're not interested. And, and the anniversary year did sort of slowly get us back in. Yeah. And I remember when word went around our group of, you know, who wants a ticket to go see Day of the Doctor at the cinema. Yeah. I was initially sort of like, no, I'm not that keen. I'm, you know, kind of a bit out of it with the show. Mm. But as I got closer, I just thought, you know what? If I go, it's terrible. Well, at least I can bitch about it for the rest of my yeah. life. <laughs> if, if, I, <laughs> if I don't go and it's good, I'm mm. going to regret this. And I went along, and look, I remember as they opened with the Hartnell theme, yeah. and the policeman walking down, I just thought, okay, this is going to be quite special. Yeah. And then, look, we all had those moments in the cinema, the, the Peter Capaldi attack eyes, yeah. um, the, the, the Tom the voice Tom. just oh, comes I was going to say, you, you suddenly see all these 40-year-old men just, got something in oh, my eye. Actually, <laughs> it, actually it was when you, when you just hear the breath. voice. You actually catch yeah. a breath, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. remember, like, everybody's going, <gasps> Yeah, 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 it, yeah, it, it, it was, was a really, really amazing, special actually. moment, and, and that's the, the the other thing I just want to talk about with the fiftieth is that sense of a sort of reconciliation I think between classic and new Who. Yeah, and, and it reminded me a bit of being around sort of the peripheries of Trek fandom when Unification came out and Leonard Nimoy turned up in that, and there there yeah. was that sort of sense of okay, next gen's been around long enough that we can accept it exists, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know it's all part of yeah. part of one thing. Yeah. And, and I want to echo a point that Simon made on Flight Through Entirety last year. And that is that I think one thing that annoyed a lot of people like us who grew up as fans of the classic series was when the new series came along, it gave license to a number of stars of the classic series who didn't enjoy their time and didn't really think highly of the series. Mm. They didn't want to go out there and just trash the classic series, but now they could trash it by contrasting with New Who. Yeah. And we all watch those interviews and those those yeah. commentaries of like, oh, well, of course, it was terrible in my day and the direction was terrible and look at those effects, but nowadays it's so much better and nowadays <laughs> yeah. it's really good. Yeah. And I can remember watching that and getting a bit annoyed because Doctor Who was a good show. Hmm. And you look at, like, particularly in the Let's and the Hinchcliffe years, it was an expensive show and it was a well-made show. And I, I've said about the, the Let's era before, it occasionally looks like the 1970s but very rarely does it look cheap. Mm. Yeah. And the same for Hinchcliffe. Yeah. yeah, there's Hinchcliffe stuff that looks like the 1970s, but it doesn't look cheap and nasty. No, no. And I think the 50th anniversary kind of brought all of that together. Mm. You know, us as classic fans, we got the Hartnell moment, we got Tom in there. Yep. And, and I think Moffat, who, you know, has kind of said he doesn't like 62 and could be a bit antagonistic to fans like us at times, he very clearly said, right, I'm going to make 
an episode for everybody. Yep. Yeah. If you're a fan of Tennant or Smith, there was stuff for you. But, you know, if you're an old, grumpy old fan like us, John Hurt was there articulating our views. You know, like when he sort of saw <laughs> the, you know, the Doctor kissing, he's like, does that happen often now? You know, <laughs> yeah. he, was, he, was, he was doing us. Yeah. It, it sort of said to me that like, Moffat gets where we're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he likes to mock us. But on this one, he has made the effort to go, this is all of our anniversary. Mm. Yes. So look, we could keep talking for another half hour about the 50th. But that brings us to... 2023 what Mm. did you guys make of the 60th anniversary again when i was thinking about this in some ways it sort of just came and went a bit for me because look i'm not really i'm not really involved in fandom or anything now apart from doing the uh, occasional great podcast (laughs) and and i'm not i can't honestly say look i'm hugely like an active fan to the extent that look i'm making an effort to see everything on the day of release or i'm buying heaps of merchandise still or i'm really keeping up with the news so in, in some ways, it, it did just sort of come and go a bit for me. I will honestly say I have only watched one. And yes, don't you dare say you've watched more of them because I know you haven't and I am pointing at you, Mark. But, um, but look, I will get to them eventually. Yeah, I mean, we can't deny that they went out there and they gave us three new episodes mm-hmm. for the anniversary. I, I think, and, and Rob and I had this discussion briefly last month as well, it is unfortunate that the... 100th anniversary of the BBC happening. Yes. Because I think there is a real sense that that sort of stole the thunder. That mm. was the one that had the old doctors in it. That's yeah. the yep. one that had the big, big region yeah. and had the master come back. Yeah, of course. And, and so I think there was a sense of diluting it. It's not that there was nothing, there was some good stuff. And there was, I mean, unusually for this list, there was good new who, mm. but there wasn't a lot of sort of real. Well, I mean, we got the 60th anniversary logo, I guess. Yes, we did. So, so I mean, that, that happened. So, it's also like it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, the new logo, which is the old logo. Yeah, the 40th logo. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the new logo, that's right. Yeah, look, we got the Daleks in colour. We did get the Daleks in colour. In color. Look, technically very impressive, mm. but badly edited. Yeah, and the music was terrible. That. But so, um, And look, yeah. we got the re-edit of An Adventure in Space and Time, where yeah. at the end of it, we get uh, Shooty Gatwar instead of uh, Matt Smith. Yeah, and that can only, that's only been shown once and never to be seen again. They've got some special clearance for that to re-release really? it. Yeah, apparently, yeah. You've also got all the classic Who actually went on iPlay, which I actually think was a really good thing. Yeah. Not for us, because we can't access what we can. But you know what I mean? Like, it's for the UK people, they can get in and watch, you know, go to yeah. Wi for free. So I actually think that's, a, that's that's been really good on RTD to do that. Yeah, look, there was a Big Finish release, Once in Future, for those who follow Big Finish. And, of course, there was Doomsday. That's right. Now, talking about Tales of the Tardis, um, <laughs> which, which was lovely. Yes, it was. It yeah, was, it was actually pretty good. No, all, in all seriousness, look, did either of you two follow any of Doomsday? Not, <laughs> not, not a second. Only, only laughing so, at the covers. So no. I, I'm sorry for anyone out there who did actually get into it and follow it. All I, three of you. But look, Tales of the Tardis, yes, was great, and it was it was amazing seeing them again. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that really sort of, I think, proves the point I want to make about the 60th, which is when you stop and think about all the things that happened, it actually was a pretty successful year, mm. but there was no sense of proper overarching cohesion and cohesion that said that there was in the 30th and there was in the 50th so do they need a brand manager again well I think they've got one but I think maybe also maybe it was sort of slightly low key because let's be honest I think there has been a bit of brand damage you know, mm. from, from the Chibnall era. Like, you weren't going to get cinema screenings happening for those episodes or anything like that. So maybe they were just trying to do a more lower-key sort of celebration to get things moving back up. And maybe. I mean, and, and I was going to pose this question, you know, with Tenant's return, do you think that sort of stemmed some of the losses 
as it were, sort of plug, you know, plug the the, the leaking dam, as it were, and, and sort of I, getting people back to it. I don't know. I'd quite put it like that, but I think mm. the point you're making, Mark, is a correct one. Insofar as RTD has made it clear he wants to reboot the series, mm. and if you're going to reboot the series, you've got to stop what's come before. Yeah, and having a stop in the middle of the 60th anniversary is awkward timing. Yeah. And again, I think RTD's focus, and understandably so, is to reboot the series. We've got Shooty here. This is a big new thing. This is a jumping on point for the casual viewer. And it's hard to have a jumping on point whilst also having a very nostalgic, fan-wanky yeah. anniversary. Yeah. And I look forward to Richard watching Blue Yonder and the Google at some point in the future. Same with you. Another gin toy? <laughs> That brings us now to our main topic, the Keys of Marinus. Mark, you very kindly brought the gin and tonics. <laughs> <laughs> We've poured ourselves a glass and we're going to talk about this story. And look, I do promise you guys, next time you come to do this, we will do a Tom Baker story just for you. No, no I'm actually quite glad that um, your listeners, who I actually initially, when the results came in, thought they hated myself and Richard. But I'm actually glad we they chose something different from a Tom Baker or a colour story. So I'm actually glad that the Russian bots <laughs> that I launched failed. <laughs> So look, we'll kick into the keys of Baroness. So we'll start with the place we always start with these deep dives. Yep. What are your memories of first seeing it? Well, I'm fairly sure, and Dave, you might have been there, and Mark, you were probably there too. I My memory is I saw it at a local club meeting here in Melbourne, I reckon either late 80s or early night, very early 90s. It was a fairly multi-generation coffee, shall we say. But yeah, I certainly remember seeing it there. I didn't get a copy probably until a few years later when I tape traded a copy but I would be honest in saying I watched it certainly at those two points so in early 90s and and probably mid to late 90s I'd be struggling to remember when I watched it actually since then to be honest and and look if we're getting to initial thoughts of my my memory going into this was that it wasn't very good and it was quite cheap Mark well, Richard, I'm going to say the memory cheats for me because um, I don't actually remember seeing it at a club at a club meeting. Right. I do remember getting a VHS copy of it from uh, old mate Pirate Pete, if you're listening. Hello. But, uh, 1989. So, so you didn't share that? No, I didn't because right. my quality was actually very, very good. I remember saying, this is actually really good quality. So I probably hoarded it to myself, <laughs> did a Levine and just kept it on the shelf. And I remember watching it once, obviously then. Mm. And then I don't think I ever touched it until the VHS came out, the official VHS, and I probably watched it then. Didn't really resonate with me either. And then I probably gave it another go when the DVD came out. And then probably put it back on the shelf and again, didn't really resonate. I do remember thinking, oh my God, this is so slow. It's quite turgid to get through. What's going on? And I think I made the mistake of actually probably trying to watch it all in one go. Wow. Yeah, it look... That was my memories of actually watching it. So I think during my whole lifetime, I probably only watched it four or five, well, now five times. So, um, right. yeah. yeah. Dave, for about yourself? So I definitely saw it at the same time Richard did. I remember mm-hmm. going to a club meeting and seeing a very bad multi-generation copy. It wasn't mine. And my memory of watching that as a young kid, I would have been nine, ten at the time, mm. was really being quite engaged by it. I remember mm. being quite you know, interested in the Vought as a very different sort of alien species. I'll discuss a bit later on the episode that I liked most and disliked most when I was a kid are uh, very different to my <laughs> favourite and least favourite yeah. as, as an adult. Yes. I did have very fond memories of it. I definitely got the VHS and I've watched it a couple of times. I've watched mm. the DVD a couple of times. Okay. And, and, and I guess as a fan of Terry Nation's work, it's something that I've always appreciated. Yep. And, and look, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about some of the 
antecedents of his future work that we can see yes, in yes. the Keys of Mariners. Yes. But I guess before we do that, I noticed you've got the Target novel sitting there on the table. I mean, I, I read that years before I ever saw it. Likewise. I, I actually think I got that one fairly early, I think, in my Target collection. From I memory, can't even... Was it any good? I can't even remember it. Well, it's a Philip Hinchcliffe, and they were usually pretty reasonable. Yeah. Published in 1980. My biggest memory of the Target novel is the cover, which yeah. tells you absolutely nothing no. about the show. <laughs> it's, it's a very ordinary TARDIS over a very nondescript planet. A grey yes. TARDIS. Yeah, yeah, and just... I remember just sort of going into that going, I have no idea what this is going to be about. It's so not selling it, is it, really? It, it's, no. it's, it's really not. Now, so now let's talk about the keys of Marinus. Now... It is the fifth story ever of Doctor Who. Or to be perhaps more accurate for those who saw it going out, it was episodes 21 to 26 of Doctor Who. And, and, you know, we now link this as the keys of Mariners. But I think for viewers at the time, it wouldn't necessarily have quite the same sort of link. It's the first time a writer is brought back to the show. Yes. Terry Nation, of course, having done the Daleks. Yep. And John Luke Rotty would be the second very next story. Yep. One of the things that I think we need to talk about straight off the bat is the ambition of the story. Yeah. Initially, when I was putting together my notes, I, I thought this is a very early, possibly the first example of what were they thinking trying to do a different location every episode yeah. and a different set. But of yeah. course, if Marco Polo existed, they did exactly the same thing. They did, now, although I think they reused and redressed some of this when they were at the way stations and whatever. You know, you just sort of put the um, put the walls together in a slightly different configuration. With a different backdrop. Yes. Yeah. But, but certainly this is 14 episodes in a row mm. with a yep. different location every one. Now, now, okay, the first seven are all in ancient Cathay, yep. but, but it was just such an ambitious thing for a show to do. Yeah, it, it was. That was one of the notes I had. I, I sort of, if you just watched what unfolded on screen with no context or no knowledge of the history or anything. It, it looks remarkably cheap. But, of course, when you sit down and you think about it and you think about how Doctor Who was made back then, and, and Ray Cusick says something similar if you watch the doco on the DVD, it is an incredibly ambitious story that, yeah, a new location every week, yeah. it totally wrecked their budget. And, you know, he got into trouble for, you know, overspends and, and then they sort of complained that the things didn't look good enough and it sort of, well... Hang on a minute! You know, I've got yeah. to come up. I've got a week to come up with a set of ice caves, mm. you know, followed by a jungle, followed yeah. by a, a futuristic city. That, that's right. You yeah. know. So, with that context, look, you can applaud, uh, to be honest, that the sort of balls, if you like, to do something like this. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think there are episodes where the production works better than not. Correct. I, I certainly noticed when I was watching it back over the last week. It's very obvious that every next episode they arrive you know, next to a very blank set. Yep. <laughs> because they obviously didn't have the next one set up. There are moments of this where it does look cheap. And when I watched episode one back um, earlier last mm. week, I did message you guys and said the production team was not having a good day this day. <laughs> no. Now, part of that is, of course, it wasn't designed for a bunch of sad fans in their 40s to sit and watch it 60 yeah. years later. No, yeah. of course not. Yeah. But on the other hand, like compare it to the Daleks, compare it to what we've seen of Marco Polo and some other stories... I do think that the director did drop the ball a bit on this one in terms of the direction. Yeah. And, and Richard, on Spacefall, a Blake Seven podcast, we <laughs> have spoken occasionally about when you sit down and really watch a show and really analyse it, you can sometimes see where a director gives what we've called a that'll do yep. performance. And there are a number of shots in the Keys of Marinus that I think John Gorry, who only worked on the show for this one, mm. he was giving a bit of a that'll do performance. And yep. I think it's interesting when you look at the relationship between Ray Cusick and John Gorry here, the director who only did 
one story for Doctor Who. He didn't Bobby come back. Burn out. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at the relationship between Cusick and Christopher Barry and the Daleks, mm. which, look, I love the Daleks. I know that there are people with pros and cons about it, but that is, again, a very ambitious show where the sets and the design works yep. really, really well for 1964. I get the feeling there wasn't the same relationship between Cusick and Gorry in this one. And, and, no. and Cusick was really trying to push the director to go a bit beyond that that'll do attitude. Mm. And Richard, you referenced the doco that Cusick has the interview on, where John Gorry was happy for a vord just to sort of fall backwards through a door and that was it. And Cusick said, well, hang on, the script says he falls into a pool of acid. And you need to show that he's dead. You need yeah. to show that he's dead. Yeah. You need to show what happens. And look, that, that shot isn't the best shot in the show and we can talk about, you know... But it's how, something. It, it's something. And yeah. how, you know, how much money do you spend on a three-second shot on yeah. a black-and-white TV yeah. to be shown once? Yeah, that's right. But Cusick is clearly trying to push the director further than the director wants to go. And, mm. and there are just a number of shots where stagehands are in there or yeah. a line is fluffed. Yeah. And you just get that sense of a director going, that'll do. Yeah, which which right. is a shame because I, th- I think Cusick is really trying to deliver on those yeah. sets. Yeah. And, and, and some of the ideas are brilliant. I, I think some of the Morpho designs are yeah, really, they're fantastic. really strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the cheapness doesn't come from the design or the ambition but from the, perhaps the direction. Yeah, mm. it's almost like John Gorry's taken a book out of the Ed Wood <laughs> school of directing where that'll do move on to the next shot you or, know uh, but... for, for Spaceful uh, we would say the George Spenton Foster oh, yeah. <laughs> school of directing yeah yeah, I always think of Keys and Marinus now looking back on it it's almost like the pre-key to time isn't it it is you're it, doing it is that, a quest the quest is a quest it is, it is a quest story in, in such parts yeah. yeah 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 I actually think jumping around those different locations is actually makes it interesting it, it does. I watched it an episode a night, so over about a week. Yeah. And I have to say, I think that was a lot better than trying to watch it in one sitting. Yes. Look, you can see its flaws and whatever, but at, at 20, sort of 25 minutes, none of the episodes really outstays its welcome. You do sort of get to the, oh, actually, we're nearly at the end of this one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's gone. That's gone quite quick, actually. Yeah. And, and I do love the idea, and it's a very Terry Nation idea, that we're not going to a planet and the entire planet consists of about six people in one city, yep. you know, yeah. in one location. There's, there's a real sense that... And, and, and you see the map of Marinus when Arbitan gives them their, their yeah. destinations. There are these cities all across this continent and they're all got a different climate and they've all yep. got a different civilization. Yeah. And you actually feel like you've gone to a real planet. Yes. And, and, and when, when they get to the city of Millennius, like, they're very aware, obviously, that there are other parts of their world and yep. they, they probably trade furs with Vasor's mates and all, all the rest of that. Like, this, this is a planet that has a functioning society. Yeah. And for 1964, that's actually really impressive. But isn't mm. Terry Nation not very good at name, you know, names, is he, really? Like, naming things. Things like you know, <laughs> locations and planets like yeah, Millennius and Aridius <laughs> and, and Desperus. Desperus yeah. You know what I mean? Like, come on, Terry, push the bad out a bit, son. Yeah. Also, with this with this story, along with Android Invasion, it's the only story that Terry Nation wrote that uh, featuring the Daleks. There you go. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, so there you go. go. But uh, yeah, I think early into Terry Nation's run, it's actually yeah, it's not bad. Okay. Yeah, it's not bad. But. Um, what sort of are there any sort of key memorable moments for you in in the in the series, both of you? Any key uh, episodes, even? It's interesting. We're still very much in the early episodes where the hero really is Ian. Yes, because he carries a lot of the narrative, particularly once. Because uh, we probably should also mention that this is uh, William Hartnell gets a holiday for a couple of he weeks. Gets two, yeah, he gets two yes. weeks off. Yeah, he gets two week holiday. Yeah. Yes, um, just after the one in Marco Polo where he sleeps through a standstorm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's unbelievable he slept through that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hartnell was on holiday. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he and Ian is very much left to carry a lot of the narrative. Yeah. That's correct. I did notice that. But you can also see that switch starting to happen because when you get to part five, it's the Doctor who has the big hero's entrance. Yes. And it's like, okay, the Doctor's here to save the, the day. day. Yes, yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah. So we are in that. And look, I thought William Russell, he is great He's in magnificent, this. actually. I wrote down, I said he was actually yeah, great in this. He, yeah. he is great in yeah. this. I, I'd be honest and say I didn't get a lot out of Susan. Oh, my um, God, yes, yes. Barbara was quite good. Once we got into the city of the Morpher, um, Barbara was actually quite good yeah. in that. I, I really enjoyed Jacqueline Hill yeah. in that. But um, no, I didn't get a lot out of no, Susan. No, you actually um, can see in Carol Ann's performance that she is subconsciously saying, I'm not staying around. Because it is... <laughs> As being promised like an Avengers girl and to be reduced to that and yeah it's not very wouldn't be not satisfying for an actor and certainly not satisfying for uh, an audience participant either no that's right so Mark you mentioned before sort of favourite parts or favourite episodes and I I alluded to my evolving views Uh, look I probably should say my favourite episode has been fairly consistent and that's Episode two. I just think that the Morpho City. Oh, yeah, that really, would have been yeah. my pick too. Yeah. I must admit, it's I a think, really yeah. good concept. It's yeah. really well realised. The Morpho brains are just a really creepy. Yeah, and the voices are creepy too. Yeah, really, yeah. really well done. Yeah. As a kid, I really loved the Jungle episode and couldn't stand the um, Sydney Millennials episode. <laughs> I, I think I was like the Millennials episode was just boring. Boring. Yes. Um, and whereas the Jungle stuff, I like, had this really cool concept. Whereas that's probably been reversed now. Correct. I think the jungle one is now yes, quite, the worst. quite poor and yeah. quite quite yeah. badly realised. Yeah. Whereas the, the the crime procedural of the city of Millennius and look, Terry Nation loved a good crime procedural yes. and got them in where he could. But as an adult, I get a lot more out of that now. So th- those two have really flipped. Yeah, mind. and the performance of Hartnell as the the lawyer and the, and the you know the defence attorney, as it were, he is fantastic in that. Where mm. if you say, in contrast to say a Doctor and other trial scenes where you know, you've got Tom Baker and stones of blood, <laughs> you know, got the wig on, taking the piss out of it, and Colin Baker, well, you know, calling people knackers yard and whatever, where. Hartnell is giving its full rump hole the Bailey, as it were, and brings a whole lot of gravitas. You know, I hate using that word gravitas, but he's really good at it. You know what I mean? And 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 the defeat on him when he knows he's lost. Um, you know, Ian's case, and he's just sort of sitting there slumped in his chair, and he goes, "Oh, you know, he's really sort of taking it hard." Yeah, I really actually felt for the character. Yeah, yeah. and the Doctor's the one who works out the mystery. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and of course Barbara works out the other part of the mystery, although she does have the help of that classic. Uh, detective show plot thing of nobody mentioned murder <laughs> and with that ding 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 <laughs> I, I actually thought you were going to go with the non-soundproof door <laughs> which is another Terry trope but yeah. but, but yeah look look I actually thought that episode worked far better than I did as a kid. Yeah, for sure. I, I must admit, yeah, I, I would think if I'd seen that probably in, in you know as, as a youngster, I'd have been bored stupid. I yeah. think by by part five particularly. But those court scenes, I do remember watching them at the first, you know first couple of times, and I thought they were absolutely terrible. But like you, Dave, my opinions completely switched. And the screaming jungle is actually yes, left me is more carry on screaming. I think towards <laughs> the end of it, I wasn't. Uh, it wasn't one of my uh, favourites. But can we talk about? The Snows, the of, snows terror. of Terror. <laughs> yes. Um, I think The Snows of Terror holds up pretty well. Yeah. I don't think it's quite as strong as a couple of the other episodes, but I, I think it holds up pretty well. I think, again, as you mentioned there, Richard, William Russell's performance is absolutely mm. sincere, and what could have been a bit of a farce, he, he sells. He does. Yeah, particularly when uh, old Vaisal's getting a bit rapey and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, watching that, Archie was really uncomfortable watching that, actually. Yeah. And especially when he says the line, I can't wait no longer. Oh. And I'm going, gee whiz, okay. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah. When they arrive on wherever it is in Iceland, in, in, the, snow. Were, in the yeah. snow, right? In the, snow the music cue they used is very similar to what was used a couple of years later with the Ice Warriors. Yes, I know. You had that soprano. Yeah. It wasn't the castrati from the end of time. It was the soprano, <laughs> and that sort of that sort of um, yeah high pitched. Uh, Soprano-y voice, uh, very similar to what was reused on the Ice Warriors across six episodes. But yes, that's so, so is that ice music? Is it? Clearly? It could be. But yeah. this wasn't Dudley Simpson. No, mm. so, no. Yeah. So it's very, it was very interesting. Uh, there's you know sort of connection there. But the, let's talk about yes, the the the, the scene at uh, yeah, Mister Rapey, as it were, Vazor, uh, Vazor, Vazor, yeah, Vazor. Look, it was very uncomfortable watching it, and mm. especially when he uttered that line to me, "I can't wait no longer." And I think even in one of the other later episodes, um, you hear the doors close and there's quite an audible slap. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that we've discussed on the show before, that the Hartnell era really has that sort of sexual content that nothing mm. else in the show has. No, that's no. right. No. But I do think that as uncomfortable as the Vaisor stuff is, and I, mm. it, it is surprising looking back at it now, mm. as a kid I never picked it up. And no. I think I think if you're old enough to know what rape is, yeah. you're probably not old enough that you're going to be shocked. Yeah. And, and even as a teenager, when you conceptually know what rape is in theory, mm. you don't have an understanding of like the, the horror of it. No. So, so I think that by the time you're old enough to be confronted by it, you're old enough to cope with it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, even in a time meddler. You know, well, it's, that's, that's supposed to be a yeah. comedy show, a comedy series, and you have that awful scene in there. So it's yeah, it's quite again those contrasts. But yeah, I don't know whether I mean maybe we can say oh, I was brave back then, but to be honest with you, that's just, that sort of stuff was in the TV there anyway. Oh, you know, yeah. there it was, it was physical violence against you know women and that sort of mm. stuff. You know, no one blinked you know, at the keys of no, 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 right. no, absolutely at all. But yeah, mate. But now obviously with that. Um, with hindsight and everything like that, and hopefully well, society's got its own issues, but you're sort of looking at a different lens now and go, yeah, it's slightly uncomfortable, but bit, um, yeah. yeah. Now, I mentioned that this is only the fifth story of Doctor Who, and mm. we, we talked about the evolving character of the Doctor. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk about the end of part one, where Arbitan says, I desperately need your help to save my planet. And they say no. They say no. It, 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 it literally just cuts from, I really need your help to... I feel really bad we're not going to help him. <laughs> and he then forces them to do it. And, and as, as Lawrence Miles has said, it's not until the Sensorites, mm. which is the first time where the Doctor says, there is no need for me to stay. I've got the TARDIS back. Everything's okay. I've cured Ian. I'm going to stay and help these people because it's the right yeah, thing to do. Yeah, because I'm good. Yeah. Mm. This, we're not there yet. No, no. No. Even though there's that gradual softening of the character... It's still that selfishness, like, I've got to get back to the ship and get away. Mm. This is all, you know, too hard, as it were. But um, He, he yeah. wants to explore initially. He's, yeah. he's fascinated by the glass sand and the acid sea and yeah. the rest of it. But, yeah, he's sort of like, well, look, I've, I've seen your planet. I don't like your planet very much. <laughs> Goodbye. <Yeah. laughs> it's it's almost like, life, yeah, yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did we think of that initial setup? Because that was something I can remember as a kid really fascinating me. And I think that... When you look at all those old textbooks, you know, that have the, the, the two sentence summary of stories or the program mm, guide, yeah. the whole like acid sea glass sand was something that everyone kind of hooked onto, even though when you watch it back now, it's very clear it's actually not a feature of Marinus. No, it's no, just it's something just else around that around. island. Yeah. 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 I think it's actually yeah, a novel concept for back then. It is. Uh, in terms of those defences he's put around. Yeah, and you, have the, the, and, you know, you see they've clearly gone to the effort of making the glass submersibles. Yeah. Or, yes. or, or yeah. perspex. But they look really good. And I have to say, the model work at the start 
um, where you do that pan across the island. Yeah, it's great. And you see the you see the submersibles coming in mm. to dock and or to a, land. And not only do you see that, you see several of them coming very smoothly to land. Yeah. And there's one that's obviously struggling. Yeah. Which we infer to be the one that the board got covered in acid. That's yeah. right. And that's quite well done. I mean, look, it's hard because on a, on a big modern TV and whatever, um, unfortunately, yeah you, yeah, you can see everything. But I mean, as, as, and indeed going back to that doco, as Ray Cusick said, they did do it deliberately because they knew at 405 lines be um, on an old TV, it would be invisible. It's, so, it's, uh, it's, it's the magic of Doctor Who, isn't yeah. it? It's just, and the magic of that old of television, of that vintage at all, and films mm. as well. You know, you just take in the context it was made and you just sort of move yeah. past that. It's more, it's more the story and the characters and get you engaged. And if the effects work, it's great. I mean, Terror of the Zygons, for example, is a brilliant story. The, the effect sucks. Mm. That one effect, what, does that ruin the whole thing? No. <laughs> one thing that I think does draw the story down on rewatching is that Terry Nation has gone for the moment rather than the background. And look, he's invented a very interesting society, he's invented yeah. a different planet, yeah. but he hasn't really sort of worked out exactly who the Vords are no. and how they work. No, and, they and are how a the bit inconsistent. Works. Yep. Yeah. There, there is some inconsistency there, but but again, they're, they're weird, they're alien, they're bad guys. That, yep. That's what you need. They look pretty impressive, actually. They, they, do, they, yeah. they look different, Yeah, mm. yeah. Which, which is good. I did sort of note watching this that there were a number of sort of sci-fi cliches or Terry Nation cliches, but then I reminded myself, this is 1964. So they're not cliches. They're not cliches. This is brand new for him. It gets cliched later on. No, absolutely. And and, and you can sort of see that freshness in his approach. Now, a number of these ideas are recycled later on. I think you look at some Blake 7 episodes that are very similar to that. (laughs) Prime procedural. Um, He completely rips off the Morpho brains with Samon in the web. Incidentally, the most downloaded episode of Spaceful. (laughs) 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 Um, And and, and I I think this is the first example of a Taron on on the Uh, Terry Nation Yes, probably. So yeah, look, a a lot of Nation ideas that you see come through there, but, but him not writing a Dalek story I think comes off and you know, really yeah, really does. Excellent. Yeah, yeah it does. And yeah, he has to sort of reach for something else. And mm. I, I actually think they did a good job on it. Mm. Yeah, I think it's actually really good. It's it's funny because like the last couple of months I've been watching a little bit of Billy actually. I watched Edge of Destruction instead of watching an earthly child on the anniversary day. It's like, oh, right. let's do something different. Watch Edge of Destruction. That was really good. Hartnell is always, to me, underrated. Even though I know he makes the fluffs and everything, but that sort of makes the character endearing, doesn't it, really? And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's, he really gives a great performance. I'm really quite... Um, I'm actually going to go and watch some more Billy. Okay. Mm. Very good. I was actually really impressed with this. No, that, that's really good. So look, both of you came into this a little bit down. In Mark's case, quite down on the story, but without good memories. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about it now? It was something I watched. No, 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 no. Look, I did enjoy it. I haven't watched it for a long time. And look, I did enjoy just sitting there for you know half an hour at the end of the day each night, putting each episode on. Yeah. And no, it was really good. It'll probably be a while before I watch it again, I think. But no, it was quite good for what it was. It's been a change for me because every time I've been asked to review <clears throat> stories, uh, I go and watch, like I always go to the ones I really, really think are fantastic and come out really slightly disappointed. So this time round, it's actually been the complete reversal where... When the poll results came in and my Russian bots had failed, I thought, oh, God, here we go. But this this story has been a massive turnaround for me. And I think that the key is to watch an episode a day or every couple of days. Yep. And, you know, don't go into one big stretch. And there's some really good stuff in it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, this story's definitely gone up uh, high in my estimations. And I'm actually going to go and watch some more Billy. Yeah, look, I like this story going in and I still like the story. 
it was very obvious watching it on DVD on an 85-inch TV. Yeah. yeah. The production flaws were very obvious. Yeah. And I, I think that does put it below stuff like the Daleks yeah. and some other stories in, in season one. But it's very enjoyable. It's just classic 60s sci-fi mm. where you can do anything. There are no rules yet. You can do anything. It's great watching Hartnell in this. It's great watching William Russell in this. Yeah. And, and just again, particularly coming out of the 60th anniversary, as I said, seeing that slow evolution of the show, seeing the Doctor slowly soften, seeing the Doctor become the hero, but we're not quite yep. there yet, no. it was really interesting. So I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a B plus. What about you, Mark? B plus. Well, I actually would probably give just a B minus. I mean, yeah, it was very, very good. Yeah, probably about a B minus, maybe C plus for me as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely on the improve. Mm. Yeah, certainly from this previous uh, grading. There you go. Well, look, I did promise next time we did this we would watch a Tom Baker, but maybe we'll go out there and watch something a bit different next time you guys are over. Absolutely. Time in the running. Maybe not that different. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, that was our thoughts on the Keys of Marinus. As always, if you have uh, views or comments, please do reach out over social media or email. Speaking of which, we have a couple of emails which have come in over the last month. Richard, you've got the first from Alex Wilcox. And Alex writes, Hi, Dave. Hi, Rob. Your top five stories where humanity is the monster was really excellent. One of your best and most thought-provoking. So you provoked two lines of thought in particular from me. First, that you're absolutely right about almost any pure historical. The one that came to my mind was the massacre, an event so terrible it's why we still use the word that way today. While also that there are so many to choose from. But especially, even if you didn't snap, that you both went directly to one particular point in who and so did I. Way back in RTD Season 1, there was so much optimism and enthusiasm about humanity, and yet he also kept digging underneath that. And I wonder if something just switched after his master said goodnight to children everywhere with, Human race, greatest monsters of them all. Because from the season immediately following that story, you chose Planet of the Ood, and turn left, and both times you were so close I thought, oh, but surely. Maybe you both tended towards what you might call institutional monstrosity. While the most disturbingly real monstrosity for me came with ordinary people in a group turning on others. It's the only TV Doctor Who episode I've ever seen before broadcast, a select special screening for politicians. I always assume a pointedly deliberate choice by RTD, for which a friend at a Liberal Democrat think tank thought of me and gave me their ticket. So I still have very vivid memories coming out of it, talking it over with an MP I knew about how raw it was then. But like your turn left, it's become more true and so much harder watch every time since 2016. So each of you and I went directly to Series 4 to find humanity as the monster. And for the effect it still has on me, my number one choice will always be Midnight. Wow, okay. Yeah, Russell T Davies is now promising new new Doctor Who as a lovely big hug. A feel-good show to hold up against a tough world where we're constantly shown terrible things happening. And maybe he's learned from that. And maybe by writing It's a Sin and Years and Years he can channel Doctor Who into something different. But I wonder, how will this determination hold out for another four years? Don't have nightmares, Alex. Thank you for writing that in, Alex. I've got to say, I think Rob and I both really did enjoy doing that particular list makers. It's interesting that I hadn't realised before, but a lot of the ones that we came up with for that category, as did Alex, are actually very highly regarded. Mm. And maybe there's um, that's not purely a coincidence. Mark, we have an email from Ben Scoville. Yes, uh, Ben says, Hi, guys. I recently discovered your podcast, and I think of all the Doctor Who podcasts out there, yours is the best. Of the other two podcasts, I've mentioned two others. The New Old Doctor Who Show and Two Who Watch Who and 42 to Doomsday. Hey. Though I th- <laughs> hey. 
sorry, you can edit that out, Rob, who make many bizarre and weird observations, but I find them very entertaining. However, I am annoyed sometimes by other podcasters who are rude or dismissive of the people who work hard to bring our favourite show to life. The format is a challenging one, and the creative risks taken to produce something special will also risk producing a stinker. And whilst we may slash should be critical, we should also be respectful of the effort of those who seek to entertain us and keep our favourite show alive. I've been a fan since the mid-1970s. Tom and Dave were my doctors, but I've not been involved with fandom this century. I used to be a more committed fan in the early 80s. In those days, I would buy Doctor Who Monthly slash magazine and the Australian fanzine Zorinza, and I still have many of those issues. Revisiting these publications 40 years later, I'm impressed by the quality of the contents. Well, Mark, you probably wrote some of those. <laughs> uh, not for Zorinza, but uh, certainly for, we probably read some of them out on, uh, on, on our drag from the archives, maybe. For example, Zorinza provided some interesting information from fandom in Australia at the time, including the initial fan reaction to the cuts to Caves of Androzani, the reviews of the 18th and 19th seasons, and the fan surveys for those seasons and beyond. Also, there's the opinions and agendas prevalent at the time provided by contributors such as Pat French, Anthony Howe and Stephen Collins. In these Australian publications, there were some pointed things said about the direction of the show at the time. Nothing changes. Common themes included the dissatisfaction with the end of the Graham Williams era and the work of Chris Bidmead, with Legopolis being described as abysmal, trash, pretentious, puerile, nonsensical... And pathetic. Also, one article, Zorinza3031, blames Myers Department Stores Australia and their treatment of Peter Davison during his Australian tour, along with uh, JNT's Americanisation of Doctor Who, for Davo's decision to quit the role. I forgot... <laughs> That's actually quite funny. I forgot all about that stuff, but reading it again now after all this time, I wonder how much of the fan outrage is acknowledged now. I don't know. I stopped watching Doctor Who around 86, 87 when I got engaged. And consequently, I've missed out on the 7th Doctor era. Recently, I've gone back to those episodes and have enjoyed them. Not only that, they are also enlightening. Enlightening because in them I have found the answers to the Mr's Flood mystery within the Dragonfire serial. I draw your attention to the little girl who at the end of the episode watches the TARDIS disappear and then faced onto the camera smiles. For me, there's no question that the girl somehow, doesn't matter how, tracked the Doctor back to 1963, next stop remembrance, and waited 60 years. The timeline fits. It's my conspiracy theory, and I'm sticking to it. Ben Scovel. Thank you, Ben. That's as good a theory as any about who Mrs. Flood is. And uh, look, thank you very much, Ben. I'm glad you've discovered the podcast. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And look, if you do like hearing stuff dragged from the archives, and particularly a special episode all about Davison's Australian visit, there's a podcast for you, Mark. There is. For yeah. 42 to Doomsday, we did a special episode on the Davison tour where we talked to a couple of people who actually went there. And yes, uh, sort of a blow-by-blow description of that time. I can't remember, though, if we pointed out that that was the decision where Peter Davison quit. Uh, he's stuck <laughs> in a Myers department store signing books with a great unwashed. But uh, yeah, it was, actually, it was actually quite a lot of fun putting that episode together. So yes, thank you. Um, give it a listen if you uh, care to partake. I've got a few other comments that have come through to us. Uh, one on our hot take of the church on Ruby Road from mm-hmm. At Who Catalogue. The Christmas special was hugely underwhelming for me. I enjoyed it a lot, but there's far too many elements that detracted from the experience for me. Having rewatched it once, three hours later, I can say those elements are more forgivable than I found on the first watch, but nonetheless a bit painful to have to admit that. 
If anything, this was a fun episode with a fantastic performance from Shooty and Millie. Shooty is 100% the Doctor, and I cannot wait for season one. Actually, I cannot wait, I mean May. Seriously? So, yeah, look, I'm very keen to see what Shooty does with an episode I was also underwhelmed by The Church on Ruby Road, and you guys haven't watched it, so I won't ask your opinion. No. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of comments on our Canine and Company episode. Richard, one from Dylan. Meow, meow. And Dylan writes, As someone born many years after this, I'm 24, I somehow can't help but feel nostalgic watching this oddity every year. It has its flaws, but I love the fact it's basically a Tales of the Unexpected episode <laughs> with, <laughs> with Sarah Jane and K-9 in it. That's a fair call. I actually had this... Um, I actually taped it on the end of the tape that I had The Five Doctors on. Yeah. So I did actually watch K-9 and Company in the years after when I would watch my copy of The Five Doctors. Quite often I would drift into K-9 and Company afterwards. So I did see it several times. Because was that transmitted in 84 here? Yeah, it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was about a year later. And I think it was because there was obviously about an hour left at the end of the tape after okay. The Five Doctors. So I ate that yeah. on the same tape. Okay. There you go. Meow, meow. All right, Mark, over to you. Uh, Doris Day. Uh, hello, Doris. Uh, Dankeshe. I recall Central Park at fall. Sorry. Doris Day says, Heresy, maybe, but I've never seen this. I've got the DVD somewhere, so I guess I should dig it out. Whenever I've seen this being, dis- being discussed, it's usually the title sequence that's under scrutiny. <laughs> yeah, funny about that. <laughs> anyway, Happy New Year to both of you. Thank you for all the great podcasts over the last 12 months. That was from Doris Day. Meow, meow. Well, I was going to say the theme tune that is uh, immortalises the theme tunes of the Fortune of Doomsday fan wave segment. It is, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. So that's it for our feedback for January. Excellent. Good, good, uh, good missives there. We'll quickly just do a segment of what have we been watching, Mark? Well, obviously we've had a bit of a break over the summer, so it's been nice to sort of uh, reflect on life and uh, have a bit of time. We'll watch the Keys of Mariners. <laughs> we'll watch the Keys of Mariners and Edge of Destruction, obviously. Actually, I watched Underwater Menace. That was mad as a box of frogs, but anyway. <laughs> but in terms of other televisual events, I just watched the uh, po- Mr. Bates versus the Post Office, which is a UK docudrama. I think you said on on some on an IT implementation gone slightly awry in the UK. And having worked in IT for over twenty years, I was <laughs> uh, I was not surprised but appalled by some of the things going on there. But apart from that, it's a really uh, it's a really well done drama. Very entertaining, and it's one of those shows I just sort of binged in four episodes. I watched uh, the Harlan Corbin series on Amazon Prime called uh, Shelter. I'm halfway through watching it. That's actually really good. And also watched another one he's just put out called um, Fool Me Once on Netflix as well, which uh, right. are yeah, a bit of a crime mystery sort of thing. So that was uh, great fun. But also I've been watching uh, Ted on television, <laughs> the new uh, televisual episodic adaption of that with my uh, son, and we're laughing in all the inappropriate ways. How about you, Richard? What have you been watching? Um, I'm actually really boring because I've been watching a lot of older series, like actually. Um, I've recently been back through New Scotland Yard, John Woodvine. And, oh. Yeah. That's, oh, that's like early 70s. Right. They've been great, actually. To see. I, I remember them being on TV uh, when I was young, and mm. they've been really good. I mean, look, they're very 1970s. Yeah. They're, they're great series, and there's quite a few look really interesting guest casts and that that turn up in that. Mm. I did see some of uh, Dr. Death. My wife was watching that, and I did wind up... Oh, is that uh, the yes. first one or the second uh, one? She was watching the second one. Ah, uh, I haven't seen um, the second one yeah, yet. Yeah, so I did wind up watching some of that. I've been through the new Reacher. Oh, uh, yes, very good. Yeah. Yes. And probably the older stuff, I've actually been re-watching some of the Bill. I've been back, we're sort of around the season six, season seven, so we're, we're, so, firm, so we're firmly the, in the Burnside yeah, era. The Imperial phase. The Imperial phase. And yes, peak Burnside. Yes. Um, yeah, very much so. So we're, we're coming up, we've been through, I've just been picking odd ones to, to go through. Um, we're coming up 
about to go into season seven, which I think the big thing there is that's when Ted Roach leaves. Mm. Yes. I think, but look, they've been really, really good to watch them again. I, I've rewatched some of those Bill episodes, particularly that sort of four, five, six, seven era. Yeah. yeah. And there are some excellent scripts in yeah. there. Yeah. Just amazing scripts. In fact, Richard, we've we've often talked about doing alternate galaxies on the Bill and <laughs> maybe we need to maybe we need to put that on the agenda for Maybe we for should lock, it, lock it in. Yeah. Uh. Maybe we should, actually. Plus I've started uh, it's about my fourth rewatch in uh over an extended period, but um, I've actually started working back through Callan again. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, I was actually packing away some DVDs, and I found the uh, I found my Callan DVDs. Right. I sort of actually it's been quite a few years since I've watched these. Mm. So um, sadly, there's only two episodes left from the first season. Mm. So I'm at the end of the monochrome ones now. Mm. Look, it's very dated. I mean, it's very sort of reads under beds, and you know those crazy East Germans <laughs> wanting to defect every week and whatever. So yes. But look, it is a great series. Edward Wood, he is amazing, Edward Woodward. Yes. Um, and I must admit, I'm, I'm very much enjoying Russell Hunter too, it's lonely. Mm. 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 So a couple of mentions from me. I did, over Christmas, watch the new Disney Plus series, The Artful Dodger. And I have to admit, I really enjoy that. It, it took a couple of episodes to really get into it. Yep. But that is really, really good. David Threlis's Fagan is just okay. as good as you'd expect. Thomas Sangster has long been on my wish list for The Doctor, and this is absolutely confirm that it's set in colonial sydney mm. so the, the premise is basically that fagan and dodger in different ways have basically uh been deported to, uh, <laughs> to the colonies and uh, the dodger is trying to use his finger skills as a surgeon right. and fagan's trying to lure him back to <laughs> to his old way so look i actually really quite enjoyed that and uh, a couple of weeks ago i was in japan and whilst in osaka i did go and visit the Osuma Tezuka Museum, mm. which is dedicated to stuff like Astro Boy, uh, uh, Akimba, yes. <laughs> yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah. And look, that was absolutely fascinating. I I grew up on the 1980s Astro Boy yeah. series. Now, did I see there's an, a convention or something here where I think that the voice... The voice. Yes. The, uh, the, the, the lady the, who did the voice for Astro Boy is, com- is coming. I think it's the lady who did the English right. dub. Uh, okay. I think, I'm not sure, but yes, there is something like that coming out. Yes. Uh, look, look, I have over the years, every now and then, sort of watched the three or four Astro Boy ones I remember yep. quite well. But I've, I've now started on a proper great journey and watching them all in okay. order. And there's some really, really good stories in there, but it is so dark and bleak. And and Azuma's concept of robots with a soul and robots with a heart yep. means that you do get these really emotional beats and these really sorrowful beats. Mm. But, I mean, look, let's face it, the whole series starts with a scientist kid getting run over. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and, 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 and then, then you know, the, the, the dad yells at, you know, his robot son and he gets, you know, goes away in sorrow and gets kidnapped and, you know, deported to another country. So, you know, it's pretty dark in there. There's an episode there where, you know, half of humanity is wiped out by invading aliens and it ends with Astro Boy's brother Atlas having to basically commit suicide to take them out. So it's pretty heavy, and you know I am occasionally shocked. And again, this is something Rob and I have talked about that I would have been three, four, five, and every morning getting up before school and watching a story about a robot with a machine gun in his ass. They, they, <laughs> would, they would have been. Is that is that like Gatchaman though? That they would have been edited for the West? Is that not nearly the case? So right. uh, episodes one and two of the Japanese version were all edited into one. Right, and, and it's fun funny watching that because there are callbacks to some of the stuff that was edited out 
in later episodes. Yeah, okay. Which is very, very weird to watch. As a kid, I just remember going, so what's that about? That's a flashback to something that didn't happen. Yeah, because I, 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 just a budding, I remember Astro Boy being on, but I can't say it was one I really got into. But going back sort of a few years earlier than that, when you had, well, Battle of the Planets in the West, and then you watched the unedited Gatchaman episodes. Yes, where and, all the and, stuff's been taken down, they've added seven Zark 7 to yes, make up the time. Yes, yeah. it, there is a marked difference, shall we say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of content. So. Yeah. yeah, no, Astro Boy is much, much closer mm. to what we're showing in Japan. So right. it's, it's surprisingly full on. But I'm, look, I'm really enjoying that. And I know, I know that Rob's a big fan of anime, so I'm sure yep. we'll have a longer chat about that next month. Before we talk more about next month, Mark Richard, thank you for coming along. Is there Absolute anything pleasure. you'd like to plug while you're here? Put it to Doomsday is taken. It's one of its uh, habitual hiatuses at the moment. So... Uh, we, look, we are planning on a couple of specials, hopefully this year. But all of the episodes are there, all hundred and whatever there are of them, all on the uh, on the on the feeds. If you want to uh, go and check them out on Forty Two to Doomsday on your local podcatcher feed, they're still there. Very good, Richard. Well, I guess we should plug Spaceball, shouldn't we? We should. Yes, and there are new episodes coming soon. I Yay! Promise. <laughs> yes, no, we are recording your episodes, so we'll be getting into Series C uh, over the next couple of months. We will. While we're on Blake 7, I will give a plug uh, to a book I received just after Christmas, which is the Blake 7 Series A production diary. Yes, I've ordered that, but mine has not yet arrived. Yes, now I will say massive kudos to Jonathan Helm and Graham Robertson, who put that tome together. That is an amazing book. I am having a great time reading through that. I have long felt there's been a gap sort of on that detailed making of book around Blake 7, and look, my dreams have finally come true. <laughs> it's great. It's it's a big, nice, glossy coffee table book. It's full of, if you followed the Making Blake 7 Twitter feed, um, it's got all the great pictures and everything mm. in there. Probably my one negative is, um, because it has to go in book format, unfortunately, some of those beautifully restored upscale pictures that he was uh, that they were posting on the Twitter feed yeah. um, unfortunately had to be compressed to get them in the book but this is an amazing time and if you are a Blake 7 fan look it'll cost you about 120 or thereabouts to get it printed it's print on demand through Lulu but uh, mine came from the States but it is well worth it so when you've been reading it the things in there that you've never that new information yeah you? there is it, it yeah. is it is basically a day by day breakdown of, right. of how the first season was put together right. um, as I said if you were following the Making Blake 7 Twitter feed um, it's very much in the same format okay. so on this particular day Terry Nation came in and this is what he discussed with Ronnie Marsh at BBC Centre um, you jump forward a bit you know these are the actors that they interviewed that particular day for the wow. role of uh, for the various roles Yeah, I believe the series B volume is coming either later this year or sometime next year so fantastic that, that will automatically be on the order list so i'm very keen for my copy to arrive and of course if you're a fan of the goodies uh, all three of us plus our mates tom and rob appeared on the goodies pirate podcast where we go through every episode of that classic yep. tv series with yep. our various regular segments including guest cast goodies tropes and our favorite what couldn't you get away with today <laughs> Which is a lot. Yes. Which is a heck of a lot. Now, coming on the Doctor Who show in February, we'll have our list makers coming out in a couple of weeks. Our topic this month is stories where part one is great and then the story tapers off. Hello, Android. (laughs) Underworld. Um, (laughs) We will also be doing the first of our Alternate Galaxies cold takes. Now, Rob and I have really enjoyed doing our Star Wars hot takes on Alternate Galaxies and some of the new series of movies that are coming out. And we thought, why not go back and watch the prequels and just Ooh. see what we make of them 
in you know twenty odd years later. So we will be doing our first cold take on the Phantom Menace shortly, followed by Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith over the next couple of months. Look, look, I haven't watched these properly for yeah. quite a few years, yeah. and I'm genuinely quite interested to see what they are. Rob yeah. has said that he will talk about Star Wars at the drop of a hat, so, yeah, yeah I, th- I think, that'd be, quite, I think yeah. that'd be quite interesting. Just remember the special effects age faster than anything else. That is yes. very, very true. Yes. But for our main show in February, we will be doing a deep dive, and we did promise on this occasion it would be into a new Who series, mm. so we will be putting a poll up at the end of this episode for you, our listeners, to once again vote for which new Who series we're going to talk about. Now, Rob has sent in a nomination, which is Series 5. Mark? Series 10, please. Series 10. Yeah. Richard? Um, well, I'll go down the other end of the pool and I'll pick Season 3. Okay. Fair enough. And I'm going to go Series 7A. 7A? 7A. That's oddly specific. So we have nominations for Series <laughs> Three, five, seven, eight, and ten, and that will be up on our Doctor Who Show Twitter feed about a day or two after this episode comes out, and that will be what Rob and I will be watching and discussing in a month's time. Please let me know when that polls up. I'll release the bots again, and hopefully <laughs> this time they'll work for series ten. No, fantastic! Thank you very much to Mark and Richard for coming on. Thanks it's for always, having us. Good fun. It's been fun. It's always it's a pleasure fun. to have you. It's always fun to do this summer special. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. We will. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs> You've been listening to The Doctor Show with Rob and Dave. Find us online by searching for The Doctor Show. We also love it when you write in. Drop us a line anytime at hello at the dwshow.net. Keep punching! <laughs> <laughs> Set course for Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>